Good morning, family, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we are so grateful to be able to gather, even, is it, even if it is as a scattered church on radio and the various viewing platforms. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm sure you would agree that the last two weeks have been particularly challenging in our nation and in our city, with hardly a family or a workplace that hasn't been affected by this, the third wave of the COVID pandemic. As we have communicated previously, we're not going to be having on-site services for the month of July. Uh, we've also had to make the decision to use pre-recorded elements in our services, uh, just to, as I'm sure is in your space, a number of our staff have been affected by COVID and also members of our worship family volunteers that have both been affected and then larger groups of people that obviously have to go into isolation. So just to keep everybody safe and to give everybody time to recover, we're going to be using pre-recorded uh, services for the remainder of July. Obviously, we're still led by the Holy Spirit and sensitive to His direction and guiding as we put these services together. And so in these times of despair, I think hope is more important than ever before. And our pastoral team have put together a, a prayer journey that will inspire faith and help you to come back to a place of hope if you need to. Uh, the way they've put this prayer journey together is that uh, here on our site, many of you would know, we have a two kilometer walk that's mapped out. Uh, it starts in the front of our church on the lawn. And so you're welcome to come and do this prayer, two kilometer prayer walk journey as you walk these different stations where you can pause to pray. And we trust that the Lord will bring you back to a place of faith and hope as you engage on this journey. Obviously, it's outside and it's great exercise. And so you're welcome to join us there. But let's now take this opportunity to turn our attention to the one who gives us hope. And won't you join us as we worship together this morning?
This is unfailing, unfailing love. 
consider that God made Christ who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him and through him we might become the righteousness of God is there a better deal in the universe than that my sin exchanged for his righteousness Jesus we sing for all that you've done for us Maybe take a moment and just consider the things that he's done, the good things that he's done, like a wall of remembrance, a wall of victory for what God has done for you. And say, Lord, because of that, because I see your promises are yes and amen, because I see your faithfulness to me and to those around me, I say, thank you, Lord. I sing for what you've done for me. And I trust in you, your love and your mercy to cover me. As I say, God, I'm going to, from this place, sing my praises unto you. Thank you, Lord.
and shine Come out of the darkness Walk out of your chains Arise and shine Come and give Him worship Glorify His name Arise and shine Come out of the darkness Walk out of your chains This is the sound, this is the sound of the people coming away, coming away. This is the sound of the people shouting your praise, shouting your praise. This is the sound, this is the sound.
Father, we thank you for this opportunity to express our adoration to you in song and in music. Thank you that we can experience and sit in the presence of our Saviour. And as we transition now in the service to our time of giving, won't you prepare to give what the Lord has laid on your heart? The relevant banking details and QR codes will come on your screen. Won't you make use of this opportunity to give as the Lord directs you? Please allow me to pray for you. Father, thank you for each one that has given, that each one that would like to give and each one that intends to give. I pray you return the blessing on them for their generosity in many ways. We want to continue, Lord, to pray for provision and trust for those who are under financial pressure, for those who have lost jobs, and for those who are fearful of losing their jobs. Lord, would you open doors of provision and opportunities of provision for each one? We thank you, Jesus, that you are our source. We thank you that you are the one who provides for us. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hi, family. So here's a thought. One small action can make a really big difference, especially when multiplied by the size of our community. 18 July is Mandela Day, and we want to give hands to Mandela's vision of mobilizing small action towards positive change. Let's come together and each donate one essential item for distribution to struggling families. Simply drop it off at our church reception any Sunday or weekday starting from 18 July until the end of this month. This is the item I'll be donating. Visit hatfield.co.za for a list of the things we need most and set yourself a reminder to add to our pile. Imagine how many families we can impact if we each bring one thing. Let's do it together. For now, Neil is going to share the word with us and we'll end of our service sharing communion together. Please get your elements ready. We're going to turn our attention now to the Word of God. And I wonder if you have a favorite season. Obviously, we've been experiencing a little bit of wintry weather throughout our country at the moment. But do you have a favorite season? I actually know some people who love winter. Personally, it's not my favorite season. But one of the things that the natural seasons teach us is that we need to live appropriately within our environment. We, you know, in winter, you dress warmer. In summer, you dress cooler. Uh, and so there's an appropriateness that comes in every natural season that we experience. Perhaps in the different uh, seasons of the year, you experience a change in activity or a change in rhythm. The natural seasons teach us that there's appropriate behavior, there's appropriate activities for every season. And as I was preparing to share with you this morning, I felt the Lord asked me to speak a little bit about seasons. So what I did is I uh, as I do, I went through the scriptures and tried to read everything I could on what the Bible says about seasons and things like that. And uh, so the title for this morning's sermon, as, as we wrap up our overflow series, is the overflow of God for every season. The overflow of God for every season. One of the better known scriptures in the Bible about seasons is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, this is an interesting scripture for me. This is the first scripture I ever read publicly. I was in primary school and I was assigned to do a scripture reading for our assembly or a hall period that we had at that time. 
And this is the scripture that my, my mom recommended I read because I was too young to, to think what to do myself. And so uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 speaks about seasons. Actually, the first seven verses do. But I just want to read verse 1. Verse, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity. And then the author goes on and he gives examples. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for joy. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. There's a time for sowing. There's a time for reaping. Many examples. But there's a, there's, there are seasons in our lives. There are seasons in the course of our lives. The Bible also says in Proverbs 15 that there's a word in season. And so I'm really trusting today that I'm able to give you a word in season as well. Another important scripture on seasons we find in Daniel chapter 2. And it's kind of on a much bigger global, socio-political, international socio-political scale that Daniel is speaking here. But in Daniel chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, sorry, verse 20 and 21, uh, Daniel says something interesting about the seasons that it's helpful for us always to remember. Let's read Daniel chapter 2 to verse 20 and 21. Daniel writes and he says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He, God, changes the times and the seasons. He deposes kings and he raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And so verse 21 clearly tells us is that the seasons and the times are set by God. And that God gives wisdom how to live appropriately in those different seasons and in those different times. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning, the text says. Now, this, these verses in Daniel are, have a particular context. This is just after Nebuchadnezzar has had his dream of the statues, which we later learn represents the four successive world empires, the, um, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks and the Romans that would come and pass before the coming of the Messiah, before the coming of Jesus. So it's interesting, God gave Nebuchadnezzar the king this prophetic dream about successive world empires and how the seasons would change with each world empire. And Daniel notes that God is in charge of this process in history. God, uh, History belongs to God. God is in charge of history, not, uh, as we might feel at the moment, the COVID-19 pandemic. That's not in charge of history. The devil's not in charge of history, and for sure the Antichrist, whoever that may be and however that may work, is not in charge of history. History is God's story. God sets the times and the seasons. God is in charge of history. And so God is in charge of you know, the global narrative, if I can put it that way. But I also think that there are seasons of life for us. We, in our lives, we go through different times and different seasons. I think in our personal journeys, we experience that. And often it's helpful to think of our lives in terms of seasons. And so I want to talk a little bit about that to you, if I may. Some seasons in our lives are God-ordained. You know, God sets them and they work for us. I think uh, through experience, some seasons in our lives are because of our own choices or perhaps even, unfortunately, the choices of, of others. Some seasons are because we live in a fallen world, because of circumstances and happenstances of a fallen world and a broken society. Seasons in our lives can be planned. Some seasons are unplanned. But I think part of the art of life is that if we can discern the season, we can know how to live appropriately. Just like we adjust and we live in the natural seasons, if we can discern the season of our life, we can know how to live and respond appropriately in, in the way that God would want us to. Now, some seasons I'm sure you're aware are more obvious in our lives. There's a season in our lives where we are a student, we engage in tertiary education, and the appropriate activity in the season of a student is to study. It's always amazing to me how many uh, students uh, fail to discern that part of the season that they're in, that study is required. Uh, some seasons like marriage or being newly married, that's a new season in your life, it's obvious. Uh, when you start a new family and you have young children, that's a particular season in your life that changes everything, actually, in how you live. Perhaps you're in a season of retirement. Perhaps different life events have, have brought a season on you, perhaps a season of mourning, as so many of us are experiencing at this time. Other seasons might be harder to discern, like seasons when to keep and seasons when to, 
to let go. Some seasons uh, kind of work this way. You only know it when you're through it. You know, when you say, oh, so that's what God was doing in my life. Some seasons are like that. They, they're difficult to discern. By the way, I'm just in, in my personal devotions, I'm currently you know, reading through the Psalms at the moment. And I'm just struck again how there's a Psalm for every season. No matter what season you're in, deep mourning and loss, joy and happiness, transition, there's a Psalm for you. And so uh, if you are in a particular season, find a Psalm, read the Psalms. They'll provide wonderful encouragement and solace for you. Now, in the reality of our lives, we might be, you know, have a theme, a dominant season that we're in, but we often experience and we juggle things between different seasons. You know, we might be dealing with multiple or different seasons or different levels of seasons simultaneously, maybe physically or emotionally or even spiritually. And sometimes those seasons align. You might be in a season of a new marriage, which is wonderfully exciting, but at work, you're in a season of challenge and difficulty. And so you have to adjust and learn to be uh, agile and nimble in these spaces. We need to be mindful also that when the seasons change, it can affect our relationship with God and how we relate to God, particularly. Particularly if we go into an unexpected season, like a season of mourning and loss, it can change. It might not always, but it can change how we relate to God and how we experience God as well. When you step into a season of marriage, that can change the way you relate to God. Definitely, for example, if you have little children, perhaps you are used to having uninterrupted quiet times in the mornings and now you've got a baby or young toddlers, that season has changed and you need to then learn how to do your quiet times and your, build your relationship with God, perhaps in a different way than you did before. And all the young parents say, Amen. And all the old parents remember fondly and, and say, Amen as well. But what is important to remember in whatever season of life we're in is this, that God doesn't change. We do. We sometimes need to adjust. We sometimes need to seek God in different ways or find different rhythms and patterns in our lives. But God doesn't change. We do. We are the ones who need to figure out and loss. I think in this time of the current pandemic, there's so much grief so much loss for so many families. And it's a season that you're in. It's a season that has come. And I know for some of you, it might feel that it's a season that's just never gonna pass because the grief is so deep, but the season will pass. There will be joy again. God will turn your mourning into some form of joy in the future. Uh, many years ago now, perhaps 13, 14 years, my wife always has to help me as my parents passed away. Uh, at that time, it felt like it was quite quick. They, they passed away within four months of each other. I think for many of us, for many people, COVID's completely redefined to find that with where some of these kinds of things happen within three or four, four days. But uh, it was quite unexpected, particularly uh, with my mom passing at the time. It was very unexpected. And I found myself in the season of grief and loss, and it was quite disorientating to me. And I remember sitting and saying to God, you know, my heart is broken. I don't understand. I don't know how this happened. It's so unexpected. Um, you know, asking the questions, where were you, God? And, and what's your plan in this? Some days the sorrow was so deep that I just sat and said, Lord, I just put my heart before you. And that's what I could do that day. I could say, Lord, I just put my heart before you. Won't you heal my heart? But what I did learn in that season is that God was in that season. Sometimes in our lives, even in loss and despair, God is in that season. Sometimes in our lives, we go through a period of spiritual drought. I was reminded as I was preparing of a, a, some assigned reading I had to do at a stage on, on Mother Teresa, where uh, there was a book that was put together, it's called Come Be My Light, where there were extracts from her diaries and her journals. And how for many years in her life, while she was doing this amazing work of God in caring for the poor, she experienced a spiritual drought, a, what she called, and many other uh, mystics call, a dark night of the soul, where she experienced the poverty of spirit so that she could relate to the poverty that she was ministering to and, and seeing on a daily basis. At least that's the place she came to in reconciling that. But even in that season, God was there. And obviously also there's seasons of joy. Zechariah speaks about seasons of joy that come from the Lord. And even in the seasons of joy, God is there and we need to be mindful of him. There's these mountaintop experiences that we have 
in our lives, in our spiritual journeys with God. You know, every prayer is answered. Everyone you pray for is healed. You sense and experience that God is close. There's those times too. But God is on the mountains and God is in the valleys. God is in every season of life. I was reminded um, of the, it's a well-known poem and, and perhaps it's a bit well-worn, of that poem about the footprints in the sand as I was preparing for this. And I, and I thought to actually read it for us this morning. The poem goes like this. It says, One night I dreamed a dream, and as I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand, and I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it, and the Lord said, Lord, I, uh, Lord you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troubled some times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would leave me. And sometimes it does feel like that. The poem goes on and he writes and he says, God whispered to me, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw one set of footprints in the sand, it was then that I carried you. And in whichever season we're in, we're always with God. God is in every season. And I want to pray at this time in the sermon for those who are feeling like they're walking alone, who are feeling loss and sadness and grief and despair. I just uh, have a prayer for you. Thank you, Jesus, that it is really true that you promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray, Lord, now for those who are feeling alone, who are feeling lost. Would you comfort them with a sense of your presence? Would you comfort them with that knowing that you are there, that you are with them? And thank you, Lord, that you are carrying those who need to be carried. As a gentle father, a kind and loving God, you are carrying those who need to be carried. And that you will carry us through these hard times. You will carry those who have lost through their loss. You will carry those who are grieving through their grief. I pray, Lord, for each one now that they would know that you never leave us and you never forsake us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we've said that in our seasons of life, God is with us. God is in every season. If I can change gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the essence of life, if I may now, not in a deeply philosophical or esoteric way, but just in a simple way of perspective and orientation, a way that when we think of seasons and we approach seasons, we can think to talk about God in that way. And I want to start talking about the big lie. Now, I know this term has been used in American politics at the moment, and that's not what I'm going to be talking about at the moment. I want to talk about a big lie that is very prevalent in our society. I think there's a number of big lies, but I want to just focus in on one uh, for this sermon today. I want to talk about the big lie that says that life is all about you. Life is all about me. Life is all about us. If we think of that poem that life is about our footprints in the sand. And aren't we so often like the, the person who wrote the poem? That when we look at life, when we see a single set of footprints, we think it's us. We think it's about us. Um, and that's why the perspective in this poem is so interesting for me, that it's actually about God. I think so many things around us bombard us every day. That life is all about you. It's about your happiness. It's about your dreams. It's about uh, your wishes, fulfilling your desires. And I think it's a lie. I don't think life is all about us. I think it's a big lie. I think the truth says that life is actually primarily about God. 
The truth is that life is about God. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, at the start of life, the start of everything, in the beginning was God. And so I think the truth and a very important perspective that we need of life is that life is actually about God. Life is primarily, primarily about God. Um, I was struck by this when Pastor Louis shared with us a couple of weeks ago about like, God's plan for our lives. And he phrased it this way. He says that God has a plan and we get to be part of it. That's where life is about God and not primarily about us. And I think there is a reality because we, we live our lives through our lives. We, we, you know, it's a little bit like I think, therefore I am, I exist, and therefore the only way I can experience life is through my own eyes and through my own uh, reference points and, and lenses. And so I think there is a truth to that. But I think the bigger truth is that that is not the primary reference point in my life. There's truth to it, but it's not ultimately true. Life is about God, and God should be the primary reference point in my life, whether it's for my decisions, my ethics, my morals, uh, every aspect of my life. It should be firstly about God and not so much about myself. And so in terms of perspective, let's reject the big lie that life is about us and work as hard as we can on embracing the truth that life is primarily about God. Now you say, what's this got to do with seasons? I think when we start looking at our lives and the different seasons in our lives, and we recognize that it's primarily about God and not about us, it's a very helpful perspective. And I want to try and illustrate it in, in this way. I was reminded about some pictures from the Old Testament, about the pillars of cloud and fire that were with the Israelites when they were uh, during their time of the Exodus, when they were wandering in the desert. And I, I want to use these, the pillars of cloud and, and fire um, as an analogy and make an analogy for us around this idea that our lives are about, about God. We first read about the pillars of fire in uh, Exodus chapter 13. As soon as the Israelites start leaving Egypt, uh, God appears, they sets a pillar of, of cloud by day to guide them, so they follow the cloud, and then at night it becomes a pillar of fire. Uh, these are symbols, these pillars are symbols of God's presence with the Israelites. Whether they're moving or camping, uh, God is there with them. I want to read from Numbers chapter 14, verse 4, because it, it helps with a perspective and an understanding on these pillars that are important. Now, by the way, the, the pillars are symbols of presence of God. So would the tabernacle and the ark and, and later on in the history of Israel, the temple. They would all be uh, symbols of the presence of God or uh, physical things that represent God uh, in the nation. But in Numbers 14, 14, there's this inter interaction between God and Moses. Moses is standing in an intercessory place for the nation. God is upset and he wants to exercise some judgment on the nation, uh, actually destroy them. And Moses says to him, no, you shouldn't do this. And in verse 14 of Numbers 14, there's this interesting reason that Moses gives for this. It reads like this. Um, Moses says, what will they tell the inhabitants of this land about it if, if you destroy it? So what's it going to say if you destroy this people? The people around they have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face and that your cloud stays over them as you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so the people around the Israelites in the surrounding areas while they're in the desert, they have heard the nation of Israel has developed a reputation that they are the ones who have seen God face to face. They are the ones where God dwells and the, the signs of this dwelling are the cloud by day, the pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night. And so the Israelites have become known and identified as the people of God, or if I may use the language, as a people of the presence of God. In their camp, there's the tabernacle, there's the ark, but there's these pillars of cloud and fire. The people of Israel are known as a people of the presence. Imagine what it was like living in the Israelite camp during the 40 years of wandering in the desert. Now the camp would be arrayed that the tabernacle was built in the middle and then different tribes lived at, you know, were laid out in different compass points around the camp. So essentially, wherever you went, the tabernacle and, and the, when they were camping, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, they were there in the middle of the camp. So imagine you, you, you're an ancient Israelite and, you, and you're living in the, the, this, the tent and uh, you wake up early one morning, perhaps just as the the sun is coming up and the children are starting to stir and, 
and you go to the pot of manna that God has provided for you and you think of your best 101 ways to prepare manna for breakfast after 30 years, I'm sure they got quite innovative, and you're working on preparing breakfast for the family and the children start stir moving around the tent uh, looking for their tablets, that's their clay tablets on you know, which they're learning to read and write and, and maybe practice some things. You're so proud of your children because the previous day they wrote out the Ten Commandments that God had given Moses uh, on their clay tablets. And you're so proud you went over a few tents to the grandparents to show them how well versed your children are in, in writing and reading. And you know all these things are happening. It's a, an ordinary every day. But as you step out of your tent, busy with the everydayness of your life, you look up. And the thing you see in the center of the camp is this cloud because the sun has come up, the pillar of cloud. And in your everydayness of getting ready, life ready for the family and, you know, all, all these things, you're reminded that there is God in the midst of the camp. The ancient Israelites had this visible uh, thing that they could look at. They step out of the, their tents and there's the pillar of cloud. If you, pillar of cloud. If you walk out at night, there's the pillar of fire, visibly reminded at all the times from anywhere in the camp. You could see this reminder that God was in the camp, that God's presence was there with you. This makes it strange for me if you think how many times that they sinned and they rebelled. They had this visible manifestation of the presence of God that they could see. And yet they still chose sometimes to turn away and to follow their own hearts, to make life about themselves and not to make life about God. And I think before we judge them too harshly, I think we're just like them. Sometimes we, we know we have God living in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not visible. We don't see the cloud and the fire always. But we have God with us and sometimes we still turn away and make lives, make life about ourselves, about our dreams, wants, ambitions and desires, primarily instead of about what God wants. And so it's interesting, no matter what season the Israelites were in, in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, whether they were fighting wars, whether they were doing well with God, whether they turned away from God, whether they were happy times, celebratory times of feasts and festivals, whether they were times of national mourning, God was with them in the camp. They had the pillars there reminding them that God was with them. And what distinguished the Israelites is that they were a people of the presence of God. No matter what season they were in, they were a people of the presence of God. This idea of God living with the people of Israelites is quite an important theme throughout the whole of Scripture. And I don't have time this, this morning to look, at, to look at all of that. But if I can just refer you to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. There's this promise from the prophet Isaiah that after the branch, Jesus has come, the Messiah has come, and, he's, and Israel has been through its process of a judgment and, and cleansing and things like that. There's this promise from God again in Isaiah chapter 4 that he will be with them, that he'll manifest his glory with them, that his presence will be with them after Jesus has come. And he refers again then to the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire as a sign of God's presence with them. We can go to one of the last chapters in the Bible, Revelation 21, uh, verse 3 and 4. And there God speaks and he says that I will be their God and they will be my people and I will live with them and I will wipe away every tear from their eye. Because God wants to presence himself with his people. Because when God is present with us, it's easier, it's, it's more important, it's, it's more helpful for us to understand that life is about God and not about us. Throughout the scriptures, in every season, through everything that happened, God is there wanting to presence himself with his people, wanting to presence himself in our lives. And as Christians, we are people of the presence of God too, because he indwells us by his Holy Spirit. We carry God with us. God's not outside in the middle of the camp in a pillar, but he lives in us. And so we need to look also for the pillars of God in our lives in whatever season of life we find ourselves in, because God is there. God wants to be present. God is in every season. There's an overflow, actually, of God in every season. And as we look to wrap up this series uh, on, on overflow now, this will be the last message that's part of that series. You remember we started with Hagar and the well and the God who sees us. Let's be reminded that, that God sees us.
that whether we're in the desert, there's a supply and a source from God. He wants to give us living water. Not only give us living water, but he himself is that living water that produces overflow in our lives and that we must drink from the streams of living water and not from the cisterns and the dried out places. And so whether you're like Joseph and you're going through a hard time, God can produce overflow in your life if you stick to his presence. And then last week, Pastor Louis shared with us about following the truth. The truth in teaching, the truth that I'm talking about today, that our lives are about God primarily and not about ourselves. And that we shouldn't be and shouldn't follow clouds without water. There's a helpful scripture perhaps to remember at the end of the series, and it's in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. The Apostle John writes and he says, You dear children are from God and you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, it is about God. It's about God that is in us. And if we want to experience the overflow of God in our lives, irrespective of the season, irrespective of the place that we find ourselves in, let's remember that God is in us, is greater than what's going on outside around us. And he can sustain us. He can carry us. He can empower us. He can provide for us. Because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And whatever season of life you find yourself in at the moment, God is in that season. And so what I want to say is there's an overflow of God. God is more than enough. There's more than enough in God for you to tap into, to lean on, to rest on, to be carried by in whatever season you're in, God is enough for you. And so as we work to applying this message, what season are you in in your life? How are you finding God and relating to God in that season? Because he's there. He wants you to be a person of his presence. He wants you to experience and know him in that season and to find him. Acts 17 very clearly says, if you seek him, you will find him. And as I shared earlier, even in times when you just are broken, in times when you are tired and you feel like you just can't, if all you can do is place your heart before God and say, God, comfort my heart, there's an overflow of God for you in that space too. If you're going well and you're doing well, be mindful of God. There's an overflow of God for you in that space too. As churches, Hatfield South and Hatfield East, as communities of faith and of faithful people, God has spoken a word to us recently prophetically that there's a change of season that's coming for us as a community. And, you know, we're still waiting and, and discerning that word before the Lord. But I'm reminded that when the season changes, let's be mindful of how we find God in that season too. But I want to say this this morning. Life is about God. We don't define the season that God has for us. We must allow God to define the, to define the season. And then we align with what God wants to do. So irrespective of what the season looks like, the season that is coming looks like, Let's be a people of the presence of God, people that treasure and value the presence of God, that find God, that live our lives about God and not about ourselves. And we align with what God wants to do, and we allow God to define the season for us. Let's be a people that pursues the heart of God. Let's be a people of the presence. We're going to transition now in the service to a time of communion. Communion is one of the sacraments, the ordinances that the Lord has given to us, where we can actually celebrate and mark the presence of God in our lives. And so, irrespective then again, as I've said, of the season you're in, let's join together and take communion. And so we can celebrate scripturally what the Lord wants us to do. But let's also celebrate communion this morning to remember that we are a people of the presence of God. And so won't you get the elements ready in your family to celebrate as you want to? I just want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23 in the words of Paul. He writes and he says, For what I received from the Lord I passed on to you. 
the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. And Jesus, we pause and we thank you for your life given for us, for your body broken for us, for your sacrifice to pay for our sins. So he paused and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Won't you share the bread in your homes and in your families around your tables? Verse 25 says that in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Jesus, as we remember you, as we proclaim your death until you come, won't you presence yourself with us in our hearts, in our homes, and wherever we go, may we be a people of your presence. May we carry you with us and in us in every season of life that we find ourselves in. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. And if, if you need any prayer or support, won't you please take note of the contact information if, uh, that will come up on the screens by email and by the prayer meetings that uh, will happen perhaps a bit later in the week as well. We trust that you experience God in the season that you are in, that you experience not only God, but an overflow of God in the season that you're in at this time. God bless you in the week ahead.